A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic show. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Hi, it's Andy. I'm David. I'm Jan. And I'm Logan. So uh, today we are reviewing episode 11 of season 2, Ted. It originally aired December 8th, 1997. This was actually the last episode that aired in 1997. Uh, and it was written by Joss Whedon and David Greenwald and directed by Bruce Seth Green. I was actually really surprised to find out who was behind this episode. Uh, oh. be- just because, like, Joss and David are such big writers for Buffy and Bruce Seth Green is, like, a big director. <laughs> and this episode is... It's this episode. It is not their best work. I have many thoughts. It's not their best episode, but I dislike it, I think, less than everybody else here, so we'll have some things to say. I don't particularly dislike it. I just... Yeah, I just don't think it's particularly good. It's it's an episode. And, and I mean, it's... and Well, I have issues, of course, because I'm me, but... <laughs> and I have, I mean, I, I have thoughts. I'm going to try to restrict my thoughts about technology because I know we have the excuse of <laughs> the excuse of the Hellmouth is is mm-hmm. going to be the answer to most of my objections. Yeah. But uh, and I and I now have more thoughts about Captain Tennille than I ever thought Our I was going to. Favorite. That's one of my favorite lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things where I think they tried. I, I think I know what they were going for, and it didn't quite mm-hmm. work. But it's I I know what they were trying to do, so I guess that's why I just like it less than some other episodes, where it's just like this is bad. Just starting from the beginning with the Captain Tennille part, I am almost positive that that was actually a discussion they had in the writers' room, and they're just like, let's throw it into the episode. Uh, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, it does not work for me as much as caveman versus astronauts discuss. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I, I I love it. It's great. But I grew up on Captain and Tennille, so mm-hmm. I just wanted to keep singing Love Will Keep Us Together for the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I grew up on it, too. I mean, you yep. know, I, I'm older. So, well, I'm slightly older than everybody but David here. Um, and I don't know, it just irked me that, like, Buffy wouldn't know who they are. Like, she's never heard any of these things in the mall or I don't know. It's just kind of like, what do you mean you've never heard of them? <laughs> Yeah. It's a thing. They had a TV show, for God's sake. One yeah, season. but you have to remember that Buffy was born in 1980. Yeah, so. but they were still like, it was still something you heard in the mall or, you know, the food Well, court. I mean, even if you heard it in the mall or the food court, you wouldn't really yeah. Maybe she would know, know who the, it is. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, I know who they are, barely. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I was it Love Will Keep Us Together? Yeah, Muskrat Love. And Muskrat Love. Those were the two, probably the two biggest hits. Uh, for what it's worth, I, I, I reject Xander's entire premise, because uh, I think that it was it was a collaboration, and I don't think one person was particularly in control. 
Yeah. Uh, however, if you do accept Xander's premise, he is probably right. Because of all their singles that were not covers, they were all written by Tennille. Well, uh, Willow actually had a line cut. And it was, oh. I'm just saying that if Tennille were in charge, she would have been in the little captain hat. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry that line got cut. Yeah, no, that would have made a big difference, honestly. That would work. I, and just as a weird bit of trivia, and I don't know why it just came into my head, Tony Tennille is actually on uh, Pink Floyd The Wall. Yes. Um, she's, she's on a number of did. things, actually. She yeah. Did a number so of things. She's got, like, better musical cred than some people, not just, like, pop yeah. music in, from the yeah. 70s. Well, and the captain, and the cap, Daryl Dragon, the captain, was uh, the keyboardist for the Beach Boys for many years. Right. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, he did a lot of session work, too. Mm-hmm. So. And his name's Daryl Dragon, which is so True. Cool. <laughs> so I think, I know uh, MC had barely ever heard of them, but given that Joyce... Ask Giles later in another episode if he's got any songs by, what is it, Bread? And she's yep. into Juice Newton? I suspect that Joyce yeah. would have taught Buffy about the Captain and Tennille. Okay, she has that's that, like, that 70s light rock yeah. thing. Yeah. She probably grew up with it around the house. Mm. But would she have retained it? True, true. Yeah, it's Buffy, maybe not. Well, I yeah. like the Captain and Tennille, but I grew up on 70s and Okay. Uh, I liked them at the time because I had a top 40, like, sense of music until, like, 1976, 1977. So, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with them. So, well, that was quite a bit on the Captain and <laughs> So, well, yeah, welcome to the Captain and podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting into actual exposition that happens in this episode. Oh, yes. Um, they talk about the aftermath of what's my line uh yeah i i i kind of got annoyed at xander when he said with spike and drusilla out of the way oh yeah because because they don't even check yeah (laughs) and actually giles giles mentions it later he says with spike and drusilla gone and hopefully dead and i'm like what's this hopefully shit why didn't you go check Yeah, like, and also if they're out cold, why didn't you just stake them and get rid of them? I mean, that seems to me, like, logical. I mean, granted, we know for story reasons why they're not, but, yeah, it's just like, huh? What? (laughs) I I had this problem at the end of What's My Line, too. I was Mm -hmm. like, like, guys, go, go, go look. (laughs) And, okay, the, um, uh, contract with Track and Assassins is cancelled. It's like, well, how did it get canceled if Spike and Drew aren't, like, still alive? Like, did, like, the Trackens are just like, well, I guess the people that are paying us are dead, or, like, how, how did I this assume. work? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought the whole thing was they came after their target until their target was dead, so I assume there would be, like, an advance. So, I don't know. <clears throat> just, it, yeah. it felt really clunky, where it's just like, oh, we have to get rid of this stuff from the last two-parter because, you know, we don't want it getting in the way. Yeah. Well, basically, you're, you're, we're going to get a lot of this in this episode. This is yeah. basically plot contrivance city. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But yeah, th- there's a lot here where it's just like, yeah, the only reason for this is because it has to happen. Yeah, I have right. clunky written a lot in my notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, what I have written in my notes is that even though this is not a great episode and I do not like it much at all, uh, I put uh, 
something like, I steal more lines from this episode than every other episode that I think of Buffy. Really? Like all my huh. all my good joke lines that I tell people are from this freaking episode. Really? So I'll give it points for that. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll get to them when we when we go through the as we go through the episode. But yeah, there are three or four things that I still say. Is that I make my own fun? I make yeah. Yes. Um, well, it does have, make her own she fun. She says I have my own fun. I have my own fun, and the other one is uh, speechless with geek or joy. Oh yes. I use geek or joy quite a bit. So, those are two of my favorite lines, yeah. But going back to the beginning of this episode, when we have uh, Buffy walking in on Joyce and Ted making out, uh, like, what the fuck was going on in this scene? It's like, well, why isn't the door locked? Like, I mean, were, like, were you waiting for Buffy the to come? The door was open. It was it open. It wasn't just locked. Like, they okay. just, it was just a jar. I missed that bit. Like, that makes it even Oops. worse. And also right? this whole... Something smashes, there's a no, and all of a the sudden they're kissing. Yeah. Like there's yeah. like a cognitive disconnect in this. Like they're they're trying to set it yeah, up that Joyce no is being attacked and Yeah, it just didn't work. Yeah, especially the no and then they're like snogging and whatever. It's like you know, if she heard like a noise or just kind of squeak or something, it might have worked. Yeah. And somebody knocked a wine glass, but like the no and the yeah. And also, it just, like, immediately irked me, like, like, okay, granted, maybe Joyce had the secret romance, but, like, she's been no, you know, Buffy had no no idea that she's been, like, out on dates or been somewhere. With well, she does say, ever. she does say, oh, this is why you, these are, this right, is why yeah. you've been keeping late nights at the gallery. Yeah. So she's yeah. obviously been telling Buffy she's been working late. Yeah. But it's the thing, felt- the thing to me is, like, if you didn't want her to meet him this way, why did you bring him to the house? Yeah. I, well, where right. else were they going to go? Because clearly she has never seen Ted's house. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. um, wine glass breaks, no, and then kissing. That's, it seriously bugs me so much. Like, I mean, I yeah. can well, let maybe... go the fact that they're at the house. Like, maybe, like, Joyce thought that Buffy was going to be out later and they wanted to have their first date. But she's ov- Joyce is obviously bothered by the fact that the wine glass has broken. And instead, yeah. they're swept up by passion. It's like that's not how people think. It's like Perhaps you're either swept it... up by passion or you pick up the Perhaps... fucking wine glass. I, Perhaps I'm it was gonna... their passion that broke the wine glass. Well, they're making out, leaning against it. They bump into it. She's like, "Oh no! Oh well, I'm gonna go back to kissing my <laughs> yeah. robot." So <laughs> what I what I always thought, and, and yeah, it doesn't make any sense with the wine glass and the passion that they didn't think about. <laughs> yeah. They didn't think Buffy was going to be home as soon as she was, and this was supposed to be a setup for the first meeting. Like the whole, he's going to come over, he's going to make dinner, he's going to meet my daughter. Now, Which the makes wine no glass, sense. Wine glass Surprise. fashion, band name I call it, wine glass fashion. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like the name of a cheesy 70s rock band. Right, but I love it. Yeah, maybe this was going to be the introduction of Ted to Buffy, but it just plays out. So, like there are logic it's insane troll logic if yeah. if, if that's the case yeah. i mean this is i'm I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say it right now i'm gonna have a lot of trouble with joyce throughout this entire episode and honestly the only the only possible explanation that makes any sense is the goddamn cookies yeah yeah which I, and i don't really buy it yeah <laughs> i don't either because she wasn't eating constantly. It's like, yeah, it would wear off. And then wouldn't she be like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. But right. instead, it's just like she's in this constant state of, 
Right, because we, we see how yeah. we see how it affects Xander, and there's a clear right. demarcation. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So this is, I mean, this is, yeah, this is. Yeah, cool. I was just uh, the the drug shares some qualities with ecstasy. I've never actually been on ecstasy, but I certainly know people who have. Um, Ditto. Yeah, it uh, does not, you know, keep you in this completely mellow state, like after it goes out of your system. That's no, you have a hard crash. Yes. You get really sad. Yeah. Or um, Xanax? Yeah. My, well, my Xanax a little bit more? <clears throat> well, the thing, I, I, I really should have looked this up. Xanax is just an anti-anxiety drug. Like, like yeah. a low level of Xanax is just sort of, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, so, I, I mean, I don't I mean, know. They, 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 they play it safe with the ecstasy thing by saying it has some properties in common with ecstasy mm-hmm. without, so it's not ecstasy. And you remember ecstasy in the 90s. Like, yeah. that was the thing. Yeah. Right, well, no, that, that's why they bring it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Which, but clearly, um, I, I didn't look up the drug that they actually talk about. I should have. Oh, and, I did, and it's not a real thing. If you I was going to say. It just, there you go. Yeah, if you Google it, just comes back to other Buffy pages. Buffy pages. Yeah, so it good. doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah well, there, there's your answer right there. It's, mm-hmm. it's complete garbage. Then it can do whatever the hell the writers wanted to do, but it makes no sense in terms of the way chemicals work in your body in yeah. general. It's 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 unobtainable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm also kind of wondering how Ted was able to get it into the food if he's cooking at Joyce's house. Like like when he's making Brings the ingredients. Pizzas. Like it's like here is my special seasoning. <laughs> Well, he's a robot. Maybe he has, like, you know, he could just, like, inject it from a finger or something. Yeah, he has dispensers. Reservoir. Yeah, it's like R2-D2. You know, he's got a little thing that just pops out and sticks in the food when nobody's looking. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so... Yeah, the pizza, yeah. the pizza things. I don't. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's got like a special can of oregano. I don't know. <laughs> but a lot of times in the nineties, I walked around with a special <laughs> can of oregano. Yeah. Yes, so I was maybe. just about to say we did that in the seventies too in my high mm. or junior high school. So yeah. Um, but oh man. Okay, yeah, so that, that the logistics of this is it's going to trip us all up. Yeah, no, this right. is gonna. This episode's gonna be a mess if we try to make sense of it. I, right, I think maybe. I mean, I, I get we love our nitty picks, mm-hmm. but like they're, yeah, they're not. Is... They're not even challenging us this time. <laughs> um, well, I I wanted to bring up maybe another reason why everybody's so inclined to like Ted is the way Spike describes the Buffy bot in season seven. People like it because it's safe and predictable. That's why they like robots. Oh, that's true. Um, and I was wondering mm. if yeah. maybe that was another factor. And also, yeah. um, I have to say, as much trouble as I have with this episode, I feel like John Ritter did a fucking great job with, with oh, the character. Oh, he's I was just about to he's say. So I hate like, yeah. yeah. I think we it, all... It's like John Ritter for me. Yeah, yeah John Ritter. Um, and I think one of the reasons that John Ritter is so effective is just by casting him, it's slightly subverting an expectation to begin with. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because yeah, he's known... I mean, yeah, he plays this sort of pervy guy in uh, Three's Company, but generally, he plays likable characters. He's known for comedy, even if you look at his resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he can do tons more than that. But as, like, a known quantity, he's known for comedy and being a comedy performer. Mm-hmm. And, and a likable guy. And the nicest guy in Hollywood. Like, you never heard a bad word about that yeah. guy. So, and I mean, you, you suspect 
Ted from like the moment he's around. But I think having John Ritter there gives it Mm -hmm. a layer of the acting that the writing doesn't have. Yeah. Right. And I was going to say also, I mean, even like on Three's Company, Jack's slightly pervy, but he's still likable. He's still like the cook and everybody loves him. And, you know, he's he's still the good guy. Yeah. Like everybody. Yeah, exactly. He was. Yeah, he was a phenomenal guy. And so, yeah, I, I definitely was going to say he just does such a good job in this. And mm-hmm. I just wish the material were better. I actually suspect one of the reasons why Ted is actually an interesting character, but the episode kind of fails, is I think the episode might have been written specifically for John Ritter to play the role. Mm. Uh, because Joss knew him. Uh, their fathers okay. had worked together. Uh, and I think what, one of John Ritter's kids was like, oh, you should totally do that. I love that show. Uh, possibly, yeah. Um, and also, from what I hear, that uh, they actually put in Ted being a good cook as a reference to Three's Company. <laughs> oh. Right, okay. For for those of you who ha- didn't watch Three's Company, his character was a chef. So. Speaking of the cooking door. and logistics and to set David off on technology, where does the food that he eat goes? Where does it go? Is it just? Does he empty it out later? I assume. What's happening? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. You no, know, you like want to compartment in his that, stomach. That is my smallest problem with the technology. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the easily addressed one. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I've never had a problem with robots eating in entertainment because I always feel like you know they'll do it like to you know to either hide or to you know seem less robotic and i mean it's easy enough for them to yeah have some sort of compartment where they you know get rid of it later as humans well, do they should at least compost it's yeah polite. I, yeah i mean I, I definitely i don't have a problem actually i don't have a problem with that piece part of the technology just because he is designed to appear human yes mm-hmm. so there would have to be a way for that to happen and and it's Simple enough to think, oh, okay, he has a cavity which he eats into, and then it needs to be emptied later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, te- I mean, technologically, that's not that's not an issue. <laughs> but speaking of technology, um, we have the specs for Willow's computer. <laughs> oh God! When I heard nine gig drive, oh, that actually nothing dates this episode like like the technology. It's like. A nine gigabyte drive, and when he gives her the update for her computer, he hands her a pack of floppies. I'm like, oh my god, I haven't seen one of those in years. (laughs) (laughs) I can legit go to the dollar store and buy a USB drive with four times the amount of space as Willow's computer. I mean, my phone is 16 gigs. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, my phone. You know, my smartphone is 16 gigs, and I don't even have a nice smartphone. So, yeah. My... but given the time, like my top of the line, like all the bells and whistles computer that I had to get for um, an internet job that I was doing, I was writing content for a website and stuff. In 1999, I think it was, I had a 10 gig hard drive at the time. And that was like a beast. It was for me. I was like, I'd never had anything that big or that fast before. I think it was like a Pentium chip or mm-hmm. a Pentium 2. It was like something really like high end. It was like, Oh my god! So yeah, it's, I mean, totally dated, but I was like, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it actually at the time was perfectly accurate. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, back in those days, uh, I was all of my stuff was not stored on floppy disk. I used the big platters that were like uh, I don't know, they were like maybe like six inches big. Like they were ginormous, and I had a huge pile of them because I've always been a data hog. So I had just 
like, I had, like, 20 of them just, like, stacked up. And they took up so much fucking space. But... Yep. So if we're going scene by scene, and if I may, since I've been absent from the podcast... Yes. ...of late... Shit on Xander? Oh, yes, yeah, go, go right ahead. ahead. It's actually so when I, I have at least lately, one shut up Xander in my notes. Yeah. Ted shows up at school and is like, hey, I'm here. Wanna go to Oh yeah. Put put. Everybody's like, nah, and he's like, I don't care what y'all think. I'm gonna subvert your agency and I'm gonna make mm-hmm. a decision for all of us. That yeah. that in fact is where my shut up Xander turns up in my notes. God, <laughs> yeah, um my note says, <laughs> Okay, I know there were drugs involved, but God Xander, be sensitive to your friend. Yeah. yeah, and frankly, I think it's just Xander being an asshole. I don't think the Ted stuff contributes to it at all. No, I think the mini pizzas were out of his system by that point. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was the promise of more that made him just turn into an asshole. Yeah, addictive personalities oh, one in his family. Mm-hmm. True, true that. Yeah, and, and slightly before that, uh, when Buffy is complaining about Ted, uh, I think. Uh, at some point, Xander sarcastically says, what kind of monster is he? And something occurred right, to me, it's did. like, this is a show typically about monsters and, and about the supernatural. Do, do robots qualify as monsters? Yes. This one yes. does. Okay. Robot monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's... N- <laughs> you want to use that as, a, as proof of anything. That's not a good idea. <laughs> but just bringing this up, this does kind of call back to the first season. We haven't actually seen this for a while, but in the first season we did get a lot of episodes where Buffy's like, something's going on, something's going on, and everybody was like, oh, yep. Buffy, you're so stupid. And then something yeah. was going on! Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I actually I, I had that, one of my biggest pet peeves in this episode is is that moment between Buffy and Joyce, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. no, that Joyce, Joyce does not come out of this episode well at all. Oh, no. no. She's mm-hmm. horrible. She really this, is, this is a throwback to last season. But you know who does? This is a great Giles and Jenny episode. Oh, yes. Yay! Oh, yes. I have a question, though. Yes. Okay, so my question is, you know, she's like, I just need space. Um, but at this point, the writers must have known that she's there to spy on Buffy and Giles, or Angel, actually. Yes. So why would she want to stay away when that's how she could be watching? Well, they make a point that she sort of fucked up her mission. She genuinely got involved and cared for these people, especially Giles. Yeah. So I think she genuinely was traumatized and was like, okay, I definitely need to take a step. <gasps> oh, no, I'm definitely not negating her trauma. I would oh, no, 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 of course not. No, 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 but I think that's... But, like, I'm sort of like... I, uh, it's like I'm not saying they, the writers were that self-aware. I think they just wanted the drama, but... Yeah, it's probably drama, and also, I mean, you you, you could argue that uh, she allowed the trauma trauma to override her mission. Mm-hmm. True. Okay. Okay. My other question is: Should I get her haircut because it's way cute? Yes. Sure. Okay. Sure. Yes. Cool. <laughs> okay. I'm looking for a new haircut, so I just wanted to get some. Thank um, you. <laughs> I would just like to jump back just um, one scene, just when uh, the kids are talking, because I really wanted to mention this. Uh, the clean clam line. I don't know if any joke has bugged me more on Buffy than the clean clown thing because I don't understand it. I don't understand why it's supposed to be funny. And I don't I know. I guess that's it. supposed to be the joke. Yeah, I didn't get it either. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do love the I, I make my own fun thing. But that's mm-hmm. entirely out of nostalgia. Because there was a Willow and Oz fan site yeah, called We Make Our Own uh, Fun. It's still up. And I will... Oh, I'm going to 
I will I will provide a link to it because I went and looked at it last night. None of my fan fiction is on there, so it's safe for people to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I won't tell you where my one piece of fan fiction is housed because it is there in the Wayback Machine. MC knows where my fanfic is, but I'm not. I'm not telling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mine's on Ao3. Yeah, that's all the stuff that people are allowed to read. Because I only put stuff that I'm proud of there. Uh, I have stuff on Skyhawk too that I have to transfer over to AO3, yeah. but I haven't gotten around so to it. Not, lazy. So, MC, not things that you wrote in 1997 where you would have been like barely a teenager. Yeah, I would have been yeah. 13, 14. Right, okay. People are not allowed to read yeah. that. Yes, but I remember we make our own <laughs> fun. It's a, it, it was a fun site. I, I think I visited yeah. that one a lot. Yeah. Yay! Shout out to the '90s websites. Yeah, yeah. I will bring them yeah. up as much as I can, like if they're still around. Yeah. Just because yeah. I mean, this was like the height of my Buffy obsessionness. Like, well, maybe not the height, but this is where it first started to become a thing. Like back in these days, I would watch the episode and immediately go into an IRC chat room to talk about the episode. And it was oh, I awesome. wish I could have done yeah. that. We would have been friends for like 20 years. I know, right? Point. I know. Instead of just, you know, a couple of years. Now I'm sad that I did not have a computer. So yeah, yeah. I, we make our own fun is one of my favorite lines. Yeah. And I, I do say that because I, I don't know if you've noticed this, a little kind of different. Uh, <laughs> and so I often, people are like, what was that? I was like, I make my own fun. Mm-hmm. Giles and Jenny, like that's. Um, this is a great Jenny moment. Yeah. That that line she has, "You make me feel bad that I don't feel better." It's so self aware mm. that um, this is just a really, really good Jenny moment. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And because she ultimately gets the fridge, it's nice that it, she gets a cup. Of it's a very beforehand. humanizing yeah. Jenny moment because up until mm-hmm. now we've basically only seen Jenny as kind of this teasing romantic interest for Giles but here she's actually gone through something and the show gives us a moment where we're allowing Jenny to go through that and not just have Giles you know be the one experiencing it this is actually about Jenny and not about Giles and I mean it, it's it's actual she's got uh uh, PTSD from being possessed by a demon and she's like you can't push me like I need time to sort this out for myself uh, unfortunately there's no therapist that uh, specialize right. in demon possession there should be, there really not, should be not, not on this show yeah <laughs> I keep telling you I would have I would have made bank if I you know was doing therapy in Sunnydale yeah, if there was a ther- like a supernatural therapist in Sunnydale, they would be like living the high life. Oh, Everybody yeah. would be coming to their other offices. So yeah. that would have been great. If we could do a time travel crossover <laughs> with Lucifer, we'd have something. But <laughs> actually, you know what? I would charge money or insurance, but I would also do things like trade therapy for magic beans. Okay. <laughs> I don't. You know, be like, sure, I will take your magic beans. Many years ago, there was some sort of questionnaire (laughs) meme going around um, on LiveJournal, because this was back in the days when LiveJournal was still really active. And, like, everybody had to take a character from the Buffyverse and fill it out for them. And I'll have to pull it up to actually find what the context was, but 
I filled it out as Connor, and he kept on thinking that Angel was trying to get him therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is a group that needs family therapy. That is true. Oh, yeah. That is very true. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I think the five of us need family therapy. Yeah, definitely. And in the comics, they've had Connor become a counselor, and I'm like, bitch, you still ain't got your own stuff figured out. Mm-hmm. Let's just push that deep down. But speaking of uh, Connor's dad, uh, that scene between Buffy and Angel where he goes, is there a guy that would satisfy you? And she said, my dad. I'm like, why? 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 Hank sucks. Right. Yeah. yeah, Hank. He like cheated <laughs> on her mother. Why would she want him back? But... Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's well, her fa- because it's her father. It's her father. Yeah. It's her father. Yeah, and I, you know, I will say in that conversation, I was like, Oh my god, Buffy and Angel are actually talking about something other than um, their doomed love or slay. She's actually yeah, opening up and they're talking yeah. through this problem. And Like, I, I get the thing where she's like, because he's not my dad is basically what she's saying. I'm mm-hmm. 43 years old. My mother is 72. And she has her first boyfriend after my dad died. And thank god she doesn't listen to this, but and he's a great guy, and she, I want my mom to have agency, but there's a part of me that, even at this age, mm-hmm. with the knowledge I have, is still like, but that's not my dad. Yeah. You know? No. So like, I yeah. get it. I, I actually get it. Well, see, my my issue there is just because, I mean, having had friends who had, like, dads who, like, cheated on their mother, that, like, actually changed the dynamic. I knew mm-hmm. people that were, like, furious with their dad. They did not want him in their lives either mm-hmm. because he was a scumbag. I don't think she knows he's cheated at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought that she, she doesn't that's bring why that up, up later. She doesn't bring that up until she's it's season six until they sort of until they retcon Hank is a deadbeat dad. I mean, he's not okay. great at this right. point, yeah. but yeah, I don't think she knows he's cheated at this. Point. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I just assumed she did, and that was I mean because that that like would be an impetus not to be like want mm-hmm. her dad back. Yeah. And, and Hank never, like, struck me as being somebody who was, like, a really good dad that she had, like, a great rapport with or anything where she would want him back in their, their family yeah. dynamic. Other than, yeah, okay, it's a little bit of, like, you know, fantasy or wish fulfillment yeah. that I want my whole family to be together and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think this actually is, I like, this that that line kind of, like, points up what, what, what I figured out about why this episode really doesn't work <laughs> as Buffy is because... As, as, as we've discussed a million times, and everyone's discussed about when they talk about Buffy, is this is, you know, taking the horrors of teenage life and making metaphor out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Giles even has the line, uh, I think the subtext has become text. Yeah. And I think that's Again, why this episode doesn't work. It, 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 it literally, like, it's too, like, they didn't bother making it at all subtle. It's yeah. just like, no, we're, we're just going to literally put it in front of you. And, and we've talked, we, I mean, we've talked, and, and also with this thing about, you know, oh, my dad. It's, I mean, we, we've discussed before the issues of, you know, children of divorce. And mm-hmm. this is, I think, this is, they, they, they've taken, like, subplots in an episode and, hand, and gone with children of divorce issues. This is, I think, the first and maybe only time they've taken an entire episode to make it about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And and they do it in an incredibly blunt and, and yeah. heavy-handed manner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we're all looking at the episode and going, 
I kind of see what they're trying to do, but no, <laughs> it doesn't really work. I think part of it would have worked much better. I mean, granted, I'm sure it was, you know, they, were, they had too many other stories to tell, but had Ted been like a character who had been there for like two or three episodes and we kind of like got, they, they set him up as like the good guy and somebody who was there and Buffy was like getting ooky about it. And mm-hmm. then we found out, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, she's right. I think that would have been much, much more um, effective because then, you know, the audience would have been pulled in too. And even we would have been questioning her a little bit and, and seeing that she was being gaslit or what have you. Mm-hmm. But and then they wouldn't have had to tell bad eggs. Right. <laughs> well, that that's there. You go. That would have been positive too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like the, this is actually the second time that you've mentioned something like that. I think you brought up in Lie yeah. to Me, um, mm-hmm. them introducing, uh, uh, what's his name, or Ford, uh, and I actually think that is yeah, a much Ford. more mm-hmm. modern idea of of storytelling like uh yeah. the, the and i mean actually buffy helped start yeah. this whole thing of the serialized right. storytelling well i think at this point buffy is still kind of straddling like the whole yeah. you know one shots yeah. versus the whole serialized storytelling like later yeah. on you mm-hmm. like won't be able to watch season six without watching the entire fucking thing because then you'd get yeah. completely confused but here they're still trying to do little one shots um now i think one thing that really bothers me about this episode is almost the same thing that bothers me about reptile boy uh there's a lot of this episode relies on domestic abuse metaphor but it stops Mm. being metaphor it ends up no this is just i don't care if he's a uh, robot it's just domestic abuse and it's kind Mm -hmm. of the same thing with uh reptile boy where they were relying on this rape (laughs) metaphor which stopped being metaphor far and like immediately so yeah 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 i know a couple of uh subreddits that ted could probably frequent yeah yeah no you're you're not wrong (laughs) well i mean i i I was really disturbed by i mean it was a very uncomfortable episode disturbed in a way i'm not usually when buffy gets hit by men and i know like we never want to encourage people hitting people, you know, but it's a, it's a superhero show, basically. I'm not bothered mm-hmm. when Black Widow gets in a fight with the dude, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 two people that are good at the fighties doing a thing. It, it's vampires yeah. that happen to be male-bodied getting in a fight. Like, uh, that's fine. But it's there's a power fun. dynamic it was, when it comes to Ted and right, Buffy. power yeah. dynamic, right? And it's, you know, and, and, and the way the fight is choreographed, it's not fun, you know what I mean? Obviously, it's not fun. It's trying mm-hmm. to, yeah. you know, say something. Yeah. But usually, the fights on Buffy are a little more fun. They, they've got that event adventure feeling. They've got that superhero feeling. And then this one was just a brutal beating, you know. And so that, yeah, it's super misogynistic. Just to bring up a fight, which is I actually think fairly close to this one it just works very differently is in the angel episode i believe it's called sanctuary it's the second episode with faith in it uh when buffy comes to town and buffy ends up hit hitting angel and then angel hits her back and it's it's people arguing and then hitting each other which a lot of people would go like oh my god like how can they you know hit each other you know and it's and it is kind of more of an argument setting and but that works because it's like it's it's not like this guy who is attacking a young girl 
in her own room, which he's been sitting in all creepy. For a while, apparently. Right. Why did Joyce not go, hey, where's my boyfriend? I know, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, we're actually, um, we're, I think we're getting a little ahead of things. Cause, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, because, um, yeah. Um, yeah. We didn't go over the mini golf Yeah, we didn't scene, go over the mini golf Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah, Thoughts. which is where Go things it, start. Uh, the, yeah, absolutely. The mini golf is absolutely. where we start to see Ted showing his true colors, mm-hmm. and yes. Buffy talking to her mom about it later, and her mom just being—it's like, oh, Buffy, you've been so silly, and she's being gaslit because yeah. oh, he's too nice; he would never ever. And like that—that's something that actually bothers me, and especially with her friends and stuff. It's like if Buffy says there, this is sort of like Harry Potter too. If some a character who you know is been through things like this before and they say something bad is happening you don't just discount it and go oh ha 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 you know you're you you must be imagining things you listen to them because they're you you should trust their instincts or know that they're not just making this up to be you know dramatic or fantastical or just because you've got a chip on your shoulder about your mom's Mm -hmm. boyfriend and that that really bothered me and especially as i said last night in in our our rims you know like the current situation with power dynamics in women and, and abuse and stuff it's like you know, if somebody if if somebody says somebody has said something to me, somebody said somebody has abused me, you don't just discount them. And I think the discussion with Joyce really, really got under my skin because it really got you me know too. We, we discussed yeah. what's yeah. going on too because yeah, it's like you're granted. Oh, she's on drugs, so she you know blah blah blah, which is BS. Here, um, yeah, don't you at least listen or take it in or you know why do you feel this way instead of like oh well you're wrong you know and totally shutting it down. It reminds me of friends who, like, said that somebody was abusing them or, you know, raping them. And it was just, like, you know, totally discounting it totally because, oh, they didn't want to see it. And, like, that really just got to me. So, which I guess it's supposed to, but. And Willow was eating it, too, but she wasn't as susceptible. She was more willing to not only believe us yeah. to go to bat for her. But my thing about the the introduction of Ted into this family dynamic is I think I have a unique experience when it comes to that because my partner has two kids from an ex- like a pre-existing relationship, a former yeah. relationship. And I don't care, like, considering that this is the first time Ted's ever been to the house, and clearly Joyce is not going to Ted's place. They've just been eating out, right? They've been mm-hmm. going out on dates. So this is probably the first introduction of that drug, maybe. He's just been charming her at this point. Um, you don't insert yourself into an existing family dynamic that way. It doesn't work that way. First of all, single parents, especially single mothers, like... Statistically, there have been studies are extremely wary of 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 new people, new men in the lives of their children, especially if they have young female children. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, like, there's that so, whole line that Ted says about like you know Buffy. You know, the boys must be like knocking down her door or whatever. And I'm like, dude, that is so fucking uncomfortable. It's gross. Yeah. It's gross. So yeah. you. When you come, speaking as someone who's come into an established family as a, you know, quote-unquote outsider, um, you don't take those steps that quickly. You, you know, you make your own place, and that takes time. Um, And I understand that they didn't have that time. Season-wise, they're gearing up towards innocence, Mm -hmm. and they're gearing up towards Angelus. But, you know, if you're going to have these filler episodes, at least make them worthwhile, or don't do them at all. But Mm -hmm. that's beside the point. It's, yeah, it's really frustrating that's the way they decided to go about it and then it played into this sort of horrific gaslighting an already traumatized girl has to experience mm-hmm. it's yeah i gross i have to right. say I'd like the 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 one thing i will say about that is you're right that like that's not you don't do that 
but it seems perfectly in 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 character for Ted. Oh hell like, yeah. But, oh, yeah! No, but I mean, like everything about him, like yeah, the the whole salesman dynamic. It's like, yep, I'm. You don't stop. You keep going, and and that totally fits in with his character. Yeah, right. So He's, so the so character like, itself is great as narrative. Yeah, as a piece of narrative, it actually kind of works. My, I, in fact, I'm much more disturbed by the way everyone else, particularly Joyce, reacts to these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I literally like when when Joyce said to like, "Oh no, he, yeah, no, he didn't threaten to hit you. He told me what happened." I'm just like, Joyce, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, you, you're trusting this guy you've known like maybe a month. Yeah, over your daughter. Who is not like a five-year-old who's like might be who? I, I mean, I have issues with people not taking children seriously, but uh, people right. do. But, but she's a sixteen-year-old girl. It's not like she's just a, you know, like a five-year-old that an adult might think, oh, they're just making stuff up. This is, you know, this is out of line. Yeah, yeah. and and also to tie in with what Logan was saying, I mean, when I was a teenager, uh, my parents were together, but I had like three or four friends who were all mm-hmm. single. Like 13, 14 year old girls. And this was the 70s. And their moms were dating and their moms were going out and possibly not coming home. But they knew, I mean, their mothers always told them what was going on mm-hmm. in dating this guy. And they took a lot of time and a lot of space to even introduce them. And it got to, it had to be to a certain point where even if they knew their mom was sleeping with the other guy or going out to like discos or whatever they were doing, they didn't bring the boyfriend home mm-hmm. until it was like, okay, I'm bringing Joe home and we're going to meet him or we're going to go to dinner. And, and it, there was a big setup. So I'm I'm totally agreeing with you, Logan. This was, and this is like you know, older thought, not even you know what people might be doing in 2017. So, no, and Joyce is kind of old-fashioned. I it, uh-huh. even with no, the I drug, agree. it makes no sense. I totally agree. I, I mean, that's the yeah. whole thing. When you, you know, um, when we were talking earlier, and we were positing maybe you know, they Joyce somehow thought, you know, oh, Ted will come over and make dinner. I'll introduce her to Buffy. It's like you wouldn't do that without talking to Buffy first. Don't surprise yeah. you with a stranger. What's wrong with you? Yeah. No. And, it's know, like, and I'm sorry, Joyce is not that digmatized that she would be, you know, she's not that kind of person. She's, no, she's, that's that thing. It's like, it's really, I mean, and especially now, because, you know, as we, we pointed this out when we talked about school hard, is that Joyce seemed to take a turn in school hard uh-huh. in her mm-hmm. attitude towards Buffy. And th- it just like goes all out the window here uh-huh. and, and, yeah. and goes not just like her advances just don't go out the window. She goes backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is. This is Joyce's worst parenting moment in the series. And I mean, I think we can argue that you know, later on in the season, she's going to be like, well, you got to stop being this player and get up. But that's like a shock to find out your kids. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. yeah, this is Joyce's. I mean, it's absolutely unacceptable to not believe your child when they tell you yeah. something. And yeah. Like, I love Joyce, mainly because I love Christine Sutherland. Mm-hmm. But the writers use her like they 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 put together very consistent voices for Buffy for the core Scoobies right mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Joyce vacillates between hey she's she's getting it she's mm-hmm. trying to communicate with her kid and worst fucking mother in history yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah award, and, and this is like the the pinnacle for her getting that award yeah it's just a really really oh, frustrated yeah, me yeah. For so many reasons. And yeah, Logan like really hit the nail on the head, I think, in terms of just like single mother dynamics, especially with girl children or adolescent girl children, you know, 
and and boyfriends. It just doesn't yeah. work that way. Unless you're a really like terrible mother, but Joyce is not normally a terrible mother. Part not of this me terrible, wonders anyway. if yeah. this episode might have been originally placed earlier in the season. This mm. feels like an yeah. earlier season two episode to me. And actually the same thing with Bad Eggs. And I mean, like there are things, obviously, in this episode that tie into things that have happened, like, you know, the Xander and Cordy relationship and the Jenny and Giles relationship. But other than those little moments, yeah, which are the, fairly... Those could be, re- those could be rewritten. Yeah, those can be rewritten. Right. They're, they're fairly separate from the main plot. So I'm almost thinking, like, this episode was written earlier when they kind of fit in more with, like, your some assembly required and Reptile Boy mm-hmm. and those kinds of episodes. And maybe they had to wait for, like, John Ritter or something. Maybe they were like, we gotta work on this episode a little bit. Yeah, or or... They were episodes that had been sufficiently developed, and they got to a point where the scripts they had weren't working out, Mm -hmm. and they had to grab something that had already been further, was far enough along that they could just use it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. unless you're highly, highly serialized, and again, Buffy is one of the first shows to Mm -hmm. really do that serialization. Like, you know, in a writer's room, you're going to have your board with, okay, I think this is going to be the order we're going to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But, oh, you know what? We've had too many Monsters of the Week. Let's get some mythology in there. So let's push Ted back behind What's My Line. Yeah, and I think, like, if they they did want John Ritter specifically to play the role of Ted, I mean, he was a in-demand actor. uh, That certainly could be an issue, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they could could wait for John Ritter. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he he even had a series not that long before. Hearts of, Hearts of Fire was problem. like 35 to okay. 30, uh, 95 to 93 to 95. Okay. And I think he was doing the Problem Child movies right yeah. there, too. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he was very much in, yeah, he was very much in demand. So, yeah. I, and and, he, and he's like the one, other than like, the, I think the Giles and Jenny moments and the, the Cordy and, and Xander moments. I mean, he's like the best thing about this episode oh, yeah. just mm-hmm. as himself. I mean, so, yeah. 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 No, so, his performance is, is the best thing about this episode. Well, I, I have I have an argument yes. for that, actually. Okay. Oh, um, I think the best thing about this episode is that I did a chock full of robot jokes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, um, all right. Uh, <laughs> I think everyone should have one of you at home. Best line. Yes, best okay. Line. It's, like, it's like he's a bread maker. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry. No, you're yeah, absolutely but Nobody right. ever uses their away. bread makers. They get them for Christmas. I they, use mine. Okay, well, send me bread in the mail. <laughs> in the mail? Bring no. I don't you know. Bread in the spring. <laughs> Thank you. Bring me some bread when I bring you some bread. Uh, one thing I noticed, and I, I, I seem to find that when there's episodes that I'm not liking too much, I will focus on little, tiny oh, things yeah. because it's like, oh, I don't have to look at the main plot. But Welcome when, to my world. <laughs> but when Buffy is talking about investigating Ted, and they're walking through the courtyard. You see, there's like one tree that has flyers on it, which is not surprising, but there's across from it, there's another tree that has a framed something. Like it's, it, it's either a framed thing or a plaque. And if you look underneath, there's flowers and some of them are planted, but then some of them are actually like pots and bouquets. So I'm like, did they oh, wow. set up a fucking memorial? Like, I mean, it totally makes sense because it's Sunnydale. Hi. But yeah, I thought you know, like, that's this- probably what it is production design things that they just slip in there yeah. to, yeah. you know, give it yeah. texture. I mean, the production designers are great at that stuff that, like, 
mm-hmm. gives it like something to think about in your subconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, because I yeah. always thought the production design on Buffy was actually pretty, pretty okay. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. Mad Men. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I made up a whole backstory of this whole tree because, I mean, if you think about like tragedies that happen at schools, you always have like your little altars and memorials where people like put up pictures and flowers and stuff. But at Sunnydale, that must happen so much that the janitors are just like tripping over this stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) in my mind, like uh, Snyder or whoever, maybe the guidance counselor, like, yeah, they, they do have a guidance counselor. He gets killed in uh, season three. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the guidance counselor is just like, okay, do you know what? We're going to designate this one tree and we'll make and it like the, the death grieving tree. tree. Yes, yeah. the grieving tree and people can leave their memories for all of the students. <laughs> yes. the grieving I love tree. it. Oh, no, um, <laughs> get it accepted. See, and the thing is, that could also be a Shel Silverstein book. <laughs> I was about to make that joke. The Grieving Tree? Yeah, and, by and, Shel Silverstein. And, so there's another continuity error in here that drove me crazy. Ted threatens to send her to, like, a mental institution. Mm-hmm. That's why that retcon later on in Normal Again is so, like, no. uh, really? Because... People off it, and we're going to have one in the next episode, that is, that I'll, I'll point out when we do that episode, is that people are always making these references about your mom signed out, she sent you a mental institution. Like, well, her mom already did. But we, and again, it's just one of those plot things in Buffy that I'm like, <sighs> uh, Just Sorry. going back okay. a little bit, we did skip over uh, Xander and yeah. Cordy. Yes. Oh, yeah, I do love Xander and Cordy. Yeah. Uh, yes. And this is the first time we've seen them actually, quote unquote, pursuing <laughs> a relationship. I guess it's quote unquote Ish. pursuing a quote unquote relationship. If we're going to be honest. pursuing something, yeah, I, yeah, it's orgasm. Uh, orgasm is what they're pursuing. Uh, we'll talk we'll more be. about that when we actually get on to bad eggs because I have so many yeah, problems with oh, yeah. the. <laughs> things but i do love the line do you want to go to the utility closet to make out and then cordy going is that all you think about okay uh i mean hey at least dander asked for consent that is true right i mean i do think every episode we're like oh my god cordy's amazing but like Mm -hmm. cordy and xander it's like even when Xander annoys me when it comes to Cordy, I still love their scenes together. I do too. Yeah. Me too. I think they have great chemistry and they both are like so, yeah. I don't know, they just like bring out the best each other as actors. I yeah. mean, you know, they just, yeah. they gel great. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're great. And I, lo- I love her reaction to nice outfit. She's like so confused because he's not in <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I, I honestly don't know how you make that into an insult. <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah no I, I mean i think the other i think the other thing in this episode is there are a lot of implications of the killing of a human being mm-hmm. that gets swept aside so fast and i know next season we're gonna get a lot yes of we're gonna get into that with space but i think in terms of structure and writing and all the things about this episode if i were to go in and sit in the writer's room i'd be like this this thesis of the episode this theme of the episode is maybe more important than this ham-handed mom gets a new boyfriend stuff 
Like, because that's the fascinating part is Buffy's guilt um, at killing a human. But they do. They explore it with Faith, and they explore it again in season six. Yeah. Six? Six? No, I when, will, I... when Buffy hallucinates that she... When she's fighting those demons? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, to right. cover right. up the we fact that, that Warren killed his girlfriend. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. I just think it's a fascinating topic mm-hmm. and part of their moral universe that they've talked about. Mm-hmm. Buffy said, I just don't go after human beings. Mm-hmm. And she sort of made that, that moral code. Uh, the other thing, I will give Xander props here. He is really... Um, he's doing a really great job with Buffy. He says he knows... He says he knows her and he, he knows she wouldn't hurt someone on purpose. He's very, very, he's very, very kind. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoy Xander in that scene because he really mm-hmm. is being supportive. Even though he's clearly taken aback when he realizes that they think Ted is actually a human. Oh, yeah, he's taken aback, but he's still. But but he's still, he still tries, he does. He's still supportive. Does and try to be supportive. Like, I know you, Buffy. I said something like, um, Wow, Xander's a really good fan of being there for Buffy when he's treating her like a friend and not an object. You know, so it's nice. Oh, yeah, really good point. Right. Uh, one thing I was very, uh, I found disturbing when Buffy is being interviewed by the police when the, she's talking about mm-hmm. the fight. Um, Buffy's talking about, oh, Ted hit me. And he's like, well, where did he hit you? And she points out where. And the police officer immediately says, it must not have been very hard. He's not right. disbelieving. That's an excuse. Yeah, he's not like, disbelieving that Buffy was hit. He's just like it must not have been hard, and it's like, well, he shouldn't be hitting her any strength. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. At what point are women allowed to fight back? Is it is it if we get knocked bloody, or mm-hmm. like what, what, at what point? Are yeah. We? But I mean, let's be real. <laughs> We're still dealing with victim blaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> and this is 1997. So yeah. I- it doesn't even matter if he slapped her lightly and, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. He hit her the end, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, especially yeah. when he's not even a parent. So you can't use it as, well, she was my kid and I was disciplining her or blah, blah, blah. He's not anybody to her and he should have hands yeah. off. Yeah. End of story. I, yeah. I, I, I can't really tell if they were just doing that as story or as trying to point up victim blaming. Uh, I think it was story. I, th- I think you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I see someone making an argument that they were trying to point up that issue. I don't give Joss that much credit, especially in 1997. Yeah, I know. Like I say, I don't really buy it, but I could see someone making the argument. Yeah, uh, but you know, like we did talk, uh, Andy, you talked a little bit about how we're going to get into this whole, you know, the morality issues of a Slayer killing a human in season, you know three granted i don't think this is the first time buffy has killed a human but it's you know this is like the first time she's really kind of internalized it or Mm -hmm. realized that she's done it i do think it's interesting in both this and in is it bad girls that she does it uh where she kills uh finch Anyways, whatever. But both Buffy and Faith, when they have their big I killed a human moments, it's accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ted fell down the stairs and the mayor, the deputy mayor just kind of gotten in, got in the way. Now, not to say that isn't something that they need to have um, counseling for because, you know, they killed somebody. But the way it ends up 
being handled. Like when uh, Xander and Cordelia are talking about the, oh, so should a slayer get a license to kill? And it's like, you know, this kind of stuff does happen where people will, you know, you know, that's why there's like manslaughter or, you know, uh, just because like Buffy and Ted were in a fight and Ted got ended up going down the stairs because she didn't push him down the stairs. No. Right. He ricocheted off the wall and then fell down the stairs. And also he totally did it intentionally. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Now, I do, that is the scene where they talk about the like, player getting a license to kill and they're like, but, but Cordy, we don't live in a fascist society. And she's like, yeah, why can't we have one of those? Why can't we have one of those? But she also offers to help there. Yes. And she offers to patrol with Giles. Giles yeah. is like, no, yeah. I'll go out and patrol. And then she's like, do you need any help? And he's like, no, 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 I'm okay. Cordy offers to patrol. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love it. And and at the end of the episode, she is hanging out with Scoobies in public. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and when they when they... They find Ted's place. She's like, "Okay, let me check the back." Deuces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Damn. Cool. Yeah. No. No argument. No. I know. I just. I really wish they. Mm-hmm. My girl. And her sense of style tells them where the secret room is. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> of course. Because she sees the rug and she that says, "This doesn't fit." <laughs> right. Okay. So um, the scene that truly made me loathe Joyce in this episode. Um, oh, it gets worse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> After everything has happened with Ted, like right before Ted oh. shows up again, and Buffy has been going through all of this, and Joyce just immediately shuts Buffy down. Like, I mean, I get that Joyce is grieving, and she's probably coming down from a drug high at this point, but <laughs> she yeah. immediately puts her own feelings ahead of what Buffy is going through. Uh, and, like, Joyce, like, she actually did have a mo- like Joyce kind of tried to cover up for Buffy in terms of yes like she the did. police she tried she's to, like he fell down like the stairs fell. and Buffy is the one who actually like mm-hmm. pointed yep. out yeah. I pushed him and so I mean I I get get that there's conflicting feelings going on but Buffy came up to Joyce and is like I need to talk to you about what happened like you need to understand this and Joyce is just like I don't want to look at you right now basically and like I could not I know tragedy does a lot of things to people but the fact that Joyce yeah. was putting her own feelings ahead of her child's I, th- well, I was well, like, yeah. that's addressed in the next episode too. When she talks to Giles, she's like, "I don't want to call it a burden, but it is a burden." You know, having a kid sometimes, and you know, on on one hand, like I get it, you want to have your own life, and that's really difficult to do when your life and like your focus it determines the well being of another human mm-hmm. being. Um, so, like on one hand, I'm like, okay, I get that you're you're very upset. You just watched somebody you love whether or not it was drug-induced, die in front of you. Um, and possibly someone else you love is responsible. Maybe you need a second. But also, your 16-year-old daughter's traumatized, so maybe pack it down for a minute. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, to me, like, parental instinct, especially somebody with Joyce, I mean, Buffy's not somebody who Joyce thinks is a sociopath, who's been, you know, thinks she's an axe murderer, or, 
or, you know, going out and like doing all these things, her parental instinct, her protective instinct should have kicked in at that yeah. point. And it would have been like, this is my baby. Oh my God, something did happen. And I've got to protect her over this guy because this is not like her. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh yeah, well, you know, go ahead. If my feelings are more important because you're obviously this horrible, terrible child who like has done all these awful things. And it, that's not how that, this is not how it works. This is not how any of this yeah. works. And I'm not even a parent, and but. We've already had school hard at this point where right. we have had this Joyce like I know that you're able to take care of yourself and that's kind of like how she kind of made peace with what she feels about Buffy uh, I mean she knows that Buffy is a good kid but she can take care of herself and there is you know the whole get the hell away from my daughter but this whole the idea of getting some robot dick all of a sudden it just goes <laughs> out the window and she's disbelieving yeah. Joyce, Buffy. Joyce Joyce they sell robot dick <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, I've got they don't drug you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, admittedly, she doesn't know it's robot dick. Yeah. Right. True. And while we're on uh, pervy trends, I love that (laughs) at some point, I love that Ted was on that daddy trend. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. When he says that, I'm just like, no. Yeah. Well, I sort of thought, I took it as a throwback, actually, like, my heart yes. belongs to daddy, so it's actually old yeah, it school is. that yeah. then is sort of come in, but, I, okay, your kink is not my kink, and that's okay, but, no, 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 Did Joyce nail Buffy's window shut, or did Ted? Because I, I think, think it was Ted. Ted. Yeah, because by know. the next episode, This it, is one of my nitpicks, actually. By the next episode, that, it's open, so. Yeah. Buffy does not even check to see if the lock is locked. She just says, oh, it's nailed shut. <laughs> I mean, my first thing, like, if I can't open a window, my first thing is, I look to see if someone flipped the lock. And yeah, there was a lock yeah. on that window. I don't know, I just assumed it's so I So that was, just, that, was, that was a bad piece of direction or something. I but, also uh, feel that if it was nailed shut, I mean, Buffy's fucking slayer. Yeah, she should be able to open. Come on, right? Yeah, she'd have to rip it open and nails hanging out, but that actually would have been funny. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. But no, I, I have to say, as far as the whole the Joyce thing is concerned, I have now come to the conclusion that basically they they should have put a goatee on on Christine Sutherland because this is this is clearly mirror Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's like it's the drugs, man. It's the, it's a hell, it was a hell of a cookie. Yeah. Drugs yeah. are a hell of a thing. If we found out he had hypnotized her, there was something like funky that went on early on to actually make her act this aberrant. Maybe I could accept it, but yeah, just like oh, it's some ecstasy. No, she actually would be more caring about Buffy, and you know because she'd be more open to. I mean, because that was the whole point of ecstasy. That was invented right, as a but therapeutic it's not ecstasy, drug. So exactly, it's it's like ecstasy. It's air quotes. And right. True. One thing about this episode is that everything is jammed into the end of it, like. Uh, we spent the entire, like, 35 minutes of the episode, like, building up this whole, oh, Ted and Buffy don't get along, oh, Buffy's killed Ted, and then at the very end, it's like, no, Ted's a robot, no, Ted's got ex-wives, Ted was a genius. Ted is really blueberry, yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah. all of this stuff is just jammed in at the very end, and it's actually... Uh, the pacing think, is weird. Yeah, the pacing's it's very true. weird. Um, yes, the pacing is really weird. I do like the moment where Xander finds uh, the oh, the body. That was a great. Like, like I, yeah. I, I felt that was very almost almost Actually, felt like, like psycho or that. something, where it's like they don't show it and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought that was a good moment, but the rest of it, because you don't even find out Ted's motivation until after Ted's dead. Mm. 
it feels yeah. like two separate episodes or at least two separate intentions. And maybe that was because they were, maybe because it was the writers, um, considering who they were. It's the first 35 minutes are these like this weird, like psychological drama. And then suddenly it's action. Yeah. For the last 15 uh, it was it, the pacing was very very odd. Yeah, and and the plotting in general is just like really off. I mean, granted, as we said, you know, they didn't have time. It's a filler episode, but it would have worked so much better if they'd been able to like kind of set do the setup and do it over a couple of episodes and see more background or something about him. Because yeah, all of a sudden, oh, he lives in this weird place in the basement, and it's all like you know <laughs> 1950s, and you know everything still works, and oh, he keeps the dead wives in the closet. And dun- dun- I'm like what? Huh? I know he doesn't sleep, but I have expected him to have a spinning round bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's more 60s uh, and 50s, but yeah. yeah. Well, 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 Ted's, Ted's old enough. Yeah, true. Yeah, The actual Keep Ted. Up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ted's dead. Um, yeah. I mean, I have to I, I have to ask, though, and maybe I, I, don't know, maybe I should have saved this for the end, but like, what happened to the original Ted? It sounded like he died and the robot just it, kept going on. I mean, we assume that. But the way yeah. they describe what happens at the end, that is not clear at all. Right, and they never found a body yeah. or, like, a grave or, like, an obituary. Yeah, right, and, Nothing, and the right. way they describe it is, they say, Ted, they say, right, Ted's wife left him, so he built the robot who went and got her back, and now he's, and then she died, and she's been... And he's been getting new wives ever since. The line is, I'm Ted, my wife leaves me. I I, I think they actually mentioned something about Ted getting sick, and then he builds Poor the better sickly, Ted. Like I'm sickly loser Ted. Yeah. Loser yeah. sick Ted or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So basically, like, Ted's wife left him while he was sick, and so then he built the robot. And possi- uh, possibly when putting his consciousness into the robot, it killed um, off original Ted. I don't know. They don't explain that. Uh, yeah, they don't. And if he was that sick, how was he able to build a robot? Hell <laughs> you know? well, well, I got mean, I, I a lot of right. questions about that. Drugs. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all about the drugs. That's it. Yeah. It's a drug that doesn't exist. It can do anything. <laughs> He's like this amazing, amazing inventor, but what else did he ever invent? Like, what did he do and where did he do it? You don't even see a workroom there. It's not like, where did he build the robot? I mean, yeah, there's so many, like, loose ends also, here. it just occurs to me. We never find out what Ted did for a living. He was a computer salesman. He sold, soft- the original he sold software. Ted. Oh, that's true. No, uh, the original. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. But he was like NASA? NASA. And where did he build Ted? The robot. It's like he's got this like swinging like bachelor pad with dead wives in the closet, but you don't see a workroom. He just why is he renting this store or this space? I mean, it's just like there's so many. Well, there, yeah. there's that are nothing to it. say that this was the original Ted's place. That's true. Yeah, but we don't know. It's just like. Well, what I have a problem with is at the end, they accept that Ted was a psychopath who was going to hurt Joyce. But Joyce doesn't fucking know that Ted was a robot. And she's like, what, they found at his apartment? And it's like, yeah, they found bodies that go back to the 50s. So aren't we going to question why he has bodies that (laughs) go back to the 50s when he was, like, supposedly a kid? Uh and uh, Cordelia was able to find marriage certificates for Ted Buchanan, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, are they accepting that this was the same Ted Buchanan, but the dates don't work out? And where do they yeah. think Ted went? Uh, okay, they mention an intern that was there when Ted woke up. So Buffy's no longer, like, 
thought of the as only being person a murder. Who saw it. Right. But right. like where do they think Ted went after that? Do they think he ran away? Did they yeah. think he's dead now? Yeah. Like what Is this... there a manhunt? Yes. Right. <laughs> I, I you know ba- ba- basically we need protective eye gear because there are so many loose ends flying around. <laughs> and also now that I'm thinking about it, they they fe- they found all these these weddings Wedding certificates, marriage certificates, but they never found a death certificate. So what did happen to the original Ted? Well, I suspect mm-hmm. that if Ted like transferred himself into a robot body, he probably did not report his death. Right, but we don't know if he did that or not. I would, yeah, I would so... doubt it because he would probably want to fit into Ted's life at the time. See, that's interesting. I, you know, before you mentioned it, I hadn't even considered the possibility that he transferred his consciousness. I yeah, assumed they, it was all programming. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Uh, and, like, I well, have no problem. none of this makes sense. Well, none of it makes <laughs> sense, but the thing is, you kind of... I am willing to accept some things and, you know, the whole idea of, oh, mm-hmm. well, it's the Hellmouth. There's mm-hmm. a certain, like, you have to be able to accept that vampires are real. And so if you can accept yeah. that vampires are real, you can accept that robots are going to work exactly like humans. Because Hellmouth. Um, right, and even, we have to accept it because of the other Warren. one is science. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Hellmouth. I mean, we just have to take that. As yeah, that's the answer. Is just Hellmouth. The answer right. is Hellmouth. Yeah, but that right. does not that's explain the everything. Buffy Bot works. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the, well, I mean, and and I assume the answer about where what happened to the what happened to the original Ted's body. I would just assume he's in the closet with the wives. Yeah, he could be. Same. That's an idea. I mean, it's not like yeah. Xander spent time counting the bodies to make sure there were only four. Yeah. You know. It's... I guess that just isn't the stuff I, I mean, I think about some of it and I think about some And maybe, the, maybe that's why they think, maybe that's why there isn't a manhunt. Maybe they found Ted's body. But he would have been dead since the 50s, so. Maybe he was embalmed somehow. Okay. Hellmouth. Come up. <laughs> I'm just going to say Hellmouth. Any, anytime it. something, something, anyone, anytime anyone calls me on anything, I'm just going to say Hellmouth now. <laughs> and I am too because I, I don't know. I'm just, I just don't really give a shit about, yeah, like how and the what and the. It's not that I don't give a shit. I like to pick things apart, but mm-hmm. never. Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's a really a lot of whatever to me. Yeah, because I think. Mm. I think what happens is we pick the nits, and I'm totally for picking the nits. When it's not a great episode, and we stop talking about the theme of the episode, right? Right. Thematically. That's because the theme, in this case, I think the theme is just so clunky, and it, 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 it we is. know what they're trying to say, but it's it's said so badly, and it makes no sense that that's why we start focusing on other stuff, too. Yeah. Because it's like, this is why the narrative just doesn't work, <laughs> and therefore the theme kind of goes out the window because you're so busy going like what the fuck yeah. is this can we talk about here? giles and jenny's little feet yes yes yes, yes. Um, oh, you mean when giles got shot why the fuck yeah. is Jenny so nothing stupid? that says i forgive you like shooting someone yeah. like, but uh, seriously why is jenny so stupid that she's gonna sneak up on giles in the middle of the night while he's mm-hmm. in a park it's like you've been inside an ale for a while bitch and, and yeah. she knows, also, she knows what's, she what's going him? on. Maybe she just happened upon him, honestly. She low-jacked him. <laughs> I would, if Giles was my boyfriend, I would low-jack him. I'd want to know where he is all the time. I know that was very creepy. It's, it's gypsy magic low-jacking. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Techno-pagan. Excuse me. Techno-pagan gypsy. We're, we're oh, going to yes. ha- we're gonna uh, have... We're coming up on Surprise and Innocence Chain. We're really going to have to work out the terminology we want to use when it comes to Jen. Yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's stick with Technopagan and, well, and she can be uh, both. 
Well, ch- that word is a slur. Uh, quite often considered a slur. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Right. I, yeah, no, it should be wrong. Technopagan? Magic? I don't know if she is, though. But the, and I, I, then it also gets really suggestion? We- it also gets really weird because they do play up the whole, I, I'm, you know, um, it, it's not Romani because it's, uh, because it's all magic and like shit like this. It's, you know, like your Halloween yeah. store, uh, yeah, gypsy costume. So yeah, that's so, this is why like. It's hard to talk about 20 years with 20 years yeah. hindsight because exactly. it's so frequently. Gross. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, um, this was, was uh, but still love the scene with them. Love it. Yes. Despite yes. everything. I'm yeah. glad they explained why he wasn't dead or losing a kidney or paralyzed because yes. he's super British. Apparently. Yes, because tw- Tweed is better <laughs> than Kevlar. Yes. <laughs> tweed has a superpower. That's a better explanation than Hellmouth. Yeah. Yes. That's true. Because true. Of tweed. I do want to know, I do want to know why Giles' cross doesn't work on the vampire. Jewish? Maybe he's he was Jewish. Jewish. Jewish, uh, that was the only thing I could think of. Muslim, the the old, you know. The, Although, the old joke with the with the punchline is about Gunish Telfin, which in Yiddish means nothing's going to help. It's all about it, it's exactly the, that setup where somebody goes mm. and the vampire's coming and they pull out the cross and you know, the cro- it doesn't work and then the vampire goes to Gunish Telfin. So, but you have to be understand Yiddish to get it. So anyway, I've always um, found it interesting that like <laughs> that that concept has not been used more in vampire stories. That that yeah that that like. The cross is a specific religion's uh, thing, and it would not necessarily affect Jewish vampires. I hesitate to bring this up because they really do tank. But the Anita Blake novels uh, by Laurel K. Hamilton—they they actually address that. Um, it doesn't matter what the symbol is, as long as there's yes. belief behind there's it. Belief. Yes, no. Yeah. Somet- um, sometimes they do that. But, so if but an atheist, yeah, fucked. Even that doesn't come is not as common as I would expect because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what year it was. But this actually comes up in a Marvel comic. Yes, I was going to mention uh, that. Yeah, in, in it's Greenberg, an the ex- vampire. Yeah, in Greenberg the vampire, oh. Greenberg is not affected. I was I was actually thinking about X Men. Um, uh, in oh, that- some of the seventies X Men comics that comes up, uh, uh, Logan tries to use the cross and it doesn't work because he doesn't believe in it. But ah. Kitty and Kurt are um, able yes. to repel. Well, Kurt believes. Oh God, does Kurt, Kurt believe believes. deeply? Yeah. Boy, does Kurt. Well, believe. I think the Cassandra <laughs> yeah, Clare books bring little. that up as well. With Simon uh, I'm not talking about Judaism. I'm not talking about Cassandra Clare at all. <laughs> That's okay. No. Oh uh, hell no! <laughs> so it's vaguely addressed. Um, and it being from the other side, I mean, like. I mean, a lot of people don't want to talk about this either, but um, the fearless vampire killers, I believe it comes up that if a vampire is Jewish, that a cross won't work on them. Was oh, that in Fearless and Vampire? I, oh, I, I think it that. is. Yeah, and, and it, for some reason, I think maybe in the um, uh, the Charlotte thingy, uh, the, the Suki uh, Southern Vampire. Charlene Harris, yeah. Had, yeah, I, I think the, the belief thing may come up there at some point, mm-hmm. too. It's been a while since I've read those books, but that sounds along like the Hamilton. It's the same general thing. Like, it really is the, the, the wielder's belief mm. in something and their their own ability to turn right. Dead. Andy? Uh, but, like, okay, so for Joss being such a militant atheist, his mythology is completely predicated on Christian theology. Oh yeah, right. portrayed by like a Jewish actress, right? So I just, I just find that, in, I just find that interesting that mm-hmm. crosses work, and you know, 
all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and really water. the whole mythology and the, you know, the God and not, you know, the powers that be not necessarily, but yeah, he's mm-hmm. really, yeah, really and based ho- And holy water works. You know, yeah, mythology. it's very much... I mean, I, yeah. I, I suspect that the reason for that is simply that crosses in holy water are so traditional for right. vampire yeah, stories that ju- that they simply didn't think about it. They didn't well, give it any thought. And also he's trying to subvert a specific genre of mm-hmm. horror and vampire lore. So you take the, you know. So, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, But David brought up an interesting point that in this case, some reason the vampire was just like, yeah, whatever, and kept on coming. So yeah, yeah. yeah while they're like wrestling on the ground, Giles has a cross in his hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's Unitarian, so like, oh, he's like that's maybe it. I believe in this today, and maybe I'll not, not today, <laughs> tomorrow, maybe. But I don't know. You 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 have not lived till you've been to a Unitarian Rosh Hashanah service and seen a Unitarian minister try to play a shofar. That <laughs> I is. Love it. Oh, that's why. No, no, no. That's why we bring the. That's why we. Um, I'm a Unitarian. Um, we team up with the the temple, mm-hmm. and so all the ah. shofar playing and the cantering is done by mm-hmm. you know the actual cantor, and we just sort of we combine it. Mm-hmm. certain things, and it works, and we have a good yep. relationship there. But, yes, I would suspect mm-hmm. a non-Jewish shofar player yeah. would be kind of done. Okay. So anyway, digression. Yeah. We, we need, so we end the episode, um, and I do have to mention, Willow studying the Ted parts is the best bit of unintentional foreshadowing that I've ever seen. Yeah, I was gonna, I made a note on that, too. Because, just like, yeah, um, I mean, I will now accept yeah. that uh, Willow can work on the Buffy bot five years from now or whatever yeah. because she's been studying Ted parts the entire time and the very end Giles yeah. and Jenny making out yay I mean I'm so glad they're doing yeah. it good, but also they're, good at, a, to end they're at a school <laughs> they're just making yeah. out of well. school it's like come on well, no, one, no, no one ever comes into the library that's true right. <laughs> well, you know we brought up the fact that Buffy is aerobicizing in the middle of the library in a skimpy outfit and none of, no one's ever gone you know Giles I don't think this is appropriate so <laughs> And nobody goes into the library except for the Scoobies, so. So, one time, Jonathan. So, just to wrap things up, a couple of facts for this episode. Both Allison Hannigan and Joss said that this was amongst their favorite episodes of the series. Which I entirely chalk up to the fact that they really liked working with John Ritter. John Ritter. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine that's it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this episode was filmed during Halloween. And some of the cast and crew came dressed up. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar dressed as Dorothy. And Christine mm-hmm. Sutherland came dressed as Ted's first wife. <laughs> uh, yes. and, uh, as if we didn't love Christine Sutherland already. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, really apparently both Sarah and John Ritter were sick during the last fight scene. Uh, Sarah oh, had the dear. flu and John Ritter had food poisoning. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't want to think about how nasty that was. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So, um, final thoughts on Ted, I guess. Yep. Does anybody have any? Eh. Uh, Um, I looked looked up a music fact. Okay. Oh, okay. Because I I did notice there was a piece, uh, there was an important, well, not important, but noticeable piece of music in this episode. Yes. The yes. record that's playing in Ted's basement. Yes. Oh, right. Um, 
and that is a piece of stock music from Los Angeles Sound. <laughs> it is it is untitled. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good to know. Yeah, yeah. It's like random, random, like random fifties. We didn't jazz. have the budget to pay for something yep, that licensed, so we pulled something from the the, the music stock um, library. Well, it's, yeah. it's from, no, it's it's from a it's from a stock house. It's not right like in house music, so they okay. probably did pay. For yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they're not like yeah, something. Like majorly licensed, yeah. Right, yeah. But that's my fun fact. Okay. Okay, I love that. That's a good fun fact. Um, My final thoughts is, yeah, I used to kind of like dig this episode and watch it again. I'm like, no, I really don't like this thing. But um, there is a repeating pattern that you're going to see. Anytime Buffy is sad, she wears her sad overall. Yes. I was going to come up with sad overalls. The dungarees of sorrow. Sad overalls. But yeah, John Ritter's Fan freaking tastic! I love yeah. him, uh, but I, yeah, I don't like this episode. I just nope. don't like it anymore. Nope. Yeah, That's my I final mean, thought. I could do without this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I know it's funny because I think I liked it more before I watched it again. And, yeah, you know, twenty years after, suddenly like gives you a whole different viewpoint on things, especially the gaslighting, and it's just like, why the hell doesn't anybody believe him? Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, but John Ritter was phenomenal, and that's like the one saving yeah, grace, other than absolutely. like Giles, other than the romantic stuff between Giles and Jenny and, and Cordy and, and mm. Xander. Yeah, so. there's good yeah. stuff in it, but the good stuff that is in it does not counterbalance just the sheer uncomfortableness of the rest of the episode. For sure. Mm. And bad writing. And bad writing, writing yeah. 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 So, Logan, do you have any final thoughts? Was that basically it? Um, this episode is one I. and the next one. If I'm doing a watch through, I just skip them. Yeah. Um, but I can engage in it more now, having um, had a weird life change, mm-hmm. uh, considering you know um, being constantly around children. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but I still really, really don't like it. I think Joyce got shortchanged in her characterization. Mm-hmm. John Ritter did a great job, but he gives me the creeps, and I really don't like. Abuse storylines, yeah. they bum me out. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I will continue to skip it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah I, I would say, I I would say that Joyce is probably the worst part of this episode. <laughs> yeah, and it is very depressing because she does really well with the material, but the material is awful. Yeah. So. Oh, Christine Sutherland is fine. It's Joyce oh, yeah, that's, that's the problem. Like, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. She's like, she does a really good, Christine Sutherland's really good, but... I don't think she's yeah. ever bad, but Joyce is... She's such a hit or miss character. Like she doesn't really until season five. Yeah. Until season five, when you know, or we know now that they were setting her up to die. Mm -hmm. She was Mm -hmm. very inconsistent. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I think she'll get better and more consistent. Yeah. In, in the coming couple of seasons when they give her more to do. I mean, that's the thing is until now she's, been sort of functional mm. more than anything else. She's there to be Buffy's mom. Yeah. She's not so much of a character in her own right. That's true. Right. Yeah. She's just yeah. like a symbolic mm-hmm. thing. I, I think when she develops relation, I think I think after they clear up the whole she can't know that Buffy's the slayer. Oh yeah. That makes a big difference. And she starts developing. And like, you know, I, I do love her relationship with Spike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you know, I, she she will get more to do, and she will become a 
better character. Yeah. But at this point, they're still just, like, throwing darts at the wall. Yeah. But, you know, so let's, that stuff will come up later, and for now, we're just left with Ted, and none of us, I don't think, are really too keen on watching it ever again, Uh, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. Would we want to watch that more than the episode that's coming next? And we will be talking about that next week, because we will be watching Bad Eggs. So, uh, until then, um, well, I think last time, uh, Logan, you complained about doing the Gerrard last, so you start us off. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) Oh, the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Gerrard. 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 I'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, and on Twitter at HellmouthReturn, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise at Tee Public and Redbubble. See you on Tuesday for Bad Eggs. Grr. Arg.